there, everybody. It's time for the Everybody Counts podcast. We'll be breaking down episode four of season seven tonight, and we're looking forward to chatting about it. I'm here with a couple of guys. Hey, everybody. This is Mike Martini, also known as Bosch Trivia Guy here. Awesome. And I'm Pete. What's going on, everybody? So happy Jay's not here. Mike is. <laughs> and I'm Tracy. And we were trying to figure out where where is Jay tonight? And Pete said that he probably got sent back to the tactical studies with Edgar at the police academy because he was giving Pete too hard of a time. So, I mean, he gives me a hard time too. So why does he get to have all the fun? (laughs) (laughs) I know that actually sounds kind of fun. I didn't think it was fun when he had his talk, when he talked about it, (laughs) you know, he did not, but we missing you tonight, Jay, but we're so happy that Mike can join us again. With that said, we will start out with our case review and then we will have our interrogation room. We ask some questions of one another. Person of interest, where we each highlight a person from the episode. We'll see if we have anything in the evidence locker for this week, some clues or findings in the episode. We will see if we have anything on the tip line. And then we have trivia. I bet we'll have some great trivia tonight with Pete and Bosch Trivia Guy. And we have a debrief interview. This week, it's with Madison Lentz. Very excited. Yeah, I'm very excited to share that with you all. So look forward to that at the last part of the podcast. Remember that portion is not spoiler free. So whenever you get to the interview portion, there could be spoilers beyond the episode that we've been discussing. So just keep that in mind as far as when you decide to listen. All right. With that said, we're going to kick off the case review portion. And why don't we talk about Irving, the developments we saw with Irving this week. I'll start off a little bit. We had some stuff with the baby. So the baby's not home yet, but June is setting up the nursery. She has a twinkle, twinkle little star mobile. And there's some conversation about whether they're going to get sick of that song, but they go with it. They're talking about the baby coming home. They even go to the hospital next couple of days to get the baby. We find out the baby's name, James. We hear that from the doctor, but the doctor has some, not the best news for him. It's nothing horrible, but the, but baby James has jaundice and he's going to have to stay a couple more days in the hospital and get that phototherapy that helps babies out when they have that. And it's apparently pretty common with preemies. So it's, it's not really unusual that he has it. So they're going to have to wait a little longer to bring James home. What else with Irving? He has uh, Cletus Brown, Sergeant Cletus Brown, driving the mayor. So she has some conversations on the phone that he's privy to. He's listening in and she gets a call where she seems pleased. She says, so it's, c- it's completely closed or something like that. And she said, that's great news. And she she gets off the phone and calls Jenkowski. And then we, we find out more about what she's talking about. She says, it's been closed. There's no grand jury. Yes, it's great news. What a relief, that kind of thing. So something was being investigated related to the mayor and it's now being closed. So of course, Sergeant Brown has access to, to the mayor's portion of the conversation, you know, and he goes back to Irving and shares that information. So the wheels start turning, I'm sure, with Irv. Like, what exactly could that could that mean? Also, on the Irving side, there is a press conference where Mayor Lopez appoints Delgado, Nestor Delgado, the a former deputy chief of police, to the police commission board. So 
Irv is not happy about that. He thinks that that vote will not be in his favor when the time comes. So he goes home and of course, June asks him why he's brooding because that's, that's, that's her word this, this season for his deep thoughts. And he shares it with her and ever June, the cheerleader, she's like, oh, well, you know, you don't know for sure. You know, she encourages him. That doesn't mean she won't get a second term, but you know, he's kind of convinced that it will be against him, but you know, she's trying to be supportive. So I think that's pretty much what we saw with Irving this week. Did I miss anything? Um, no, but I want to jump in here real yeah. quick. Um, uh-huh. I've been observing this now for the fourth episode, and I really think there's something here with the writers as far as Irv's, James's struggle mm-hmm. with his health yeah. and Irv's struggle with his career. Mm-hmm. I really feel like that they purposely or happy accidentally mm-hmm. put it in where like you know that when i feel like when when they show you the the kid mm-hmm. and they, they tell you the new next news on the kid it normally shows you now irv's story kind of progresses the same way when the kid has little progression in the episode mm-hmm. irv has little progression in the episode when the kid has big progression irv has big progression so i mean i feel like all setting up for the kid coming home mm-hmm. and has Irv collecting all the information he needs. You know, okay. he's about to make that big move. I feel like, you know, it's it's all going to come together for him, you know, right about episode seven. So, you know, let's, okay. let's think on that. But the parallel to James and Irvin right now to me is like, you know, it's, it's such clever writing. Yeah, that's that's very interesting observation. And I mean, I could see that as sort of a storytelling technique. So I, I like that. Thanks for sharing that. What about you, Mike? Anything else from the Irving? story on this episode i like how they they rehashed the uh, line where delgado doesn't know what he doesn't know yeah that they brought that back in Uh and then from season three and then how how you're saying about june is the uh, ever cheerleader Mm -hmm. and when they were told that games couldn't come home yet you know she was saying oh you get a you get a couple more day reprieve from not having to change diapers yet type of thing so right so she's so at least she's being positive and keeping positive energy around the situations that's a good point yep that's true all right well there's a lot of development with billet's story and the things she's going through in this episode i think uh mike's gonna kick that conversation off yes with uh billet's uh, first time that we see her she tells harry that there's a double out in beachwood canyon but we'll get to that in a little while Mm -hmm. so later on she's kind of doing her own own investigations she goes into the hollywood watch commander's office to ask her to pull an incident report on leonard and norris because two officers believe they were ghosted on a call uh later on uh you see two officers looking at a a photoshop picture of billets on the internet and then the man catches them talking about it and then tells them not to delete the picture but to please join him in his office (laughs) yeah (laughs) so it's like oh great (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. mank laying down the law you know yes later on in the episode or a little bit later vega and billets were walking out at the same time and vega was kind of telling billets about some previous incidences that happened to her back Mm -hmm. when she was i can't remember where she came from well she did she came from robbery in wilshire i don't know if that's when it happened but but yeah i think that's where she came from well it was a previous incident that happened Mm -hmm. to her with what was it used condoms attached to her car yeah Because she wouldn't um, then, date someone, apparently. She, she re- yeah. refused their invitation. <laughs> wow. Okay. And then uh, Mank, later on, goes into Billet's office to show her the f- photo. And then Mank says that it was Photoshopped from her department ID. So the photo is Billet's face on top of a nude woman. Mm-hmm. 
So when Mank shows her the picture, she goes, well, I get, I take it that's all, it's all over the internet. And he goes, well, I'm no Bill Gates, and I found it in three keystrokes. Yeah. So, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> readily then, available. I mean, I can't imagine Mink would be that, you know, technology, you know, sophisticated <laughs> no. that he'd be able to, you know, crack the system. So it's got to be yeah. real. If he found it, I think it's yeah. easy. Yeah. If he found it, anybody could find it. But this well, this led to one of the one of the my favorite lines of Bill and <laughs> Okay. A lot of the seasons, she tells Mank, "I want to find out who did this and string them up by their scrotums with fish hooks." Right. Which Mank responds with, uh, "Ouch, ouch!" <laughs> well, exactly. It, did it sound good, Mike? <laughs> no. Did it sound good? You ouch is an well, understatement. Well, like, <laughs> ah. What really yeah. gets you is you thought she was done at scrotum, and then yeah, she exactly. says, "There's a pause and with fish hooks." And certainly, as we kind of laugh about this, it's it's not because we think it's the the situation is funny at all. Obviously, it's 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 very bad. It's just a lot of unusual things that you don't expect seeing, you know. So or hearing. Yeah, it's like it's, it's like this season. It's like can, can it get any lower for Grace Billets? And yeah. every time it's like it gets doubled down. It wasn't just the graffiti on her car. Now it's a photo, a Photoshop photo mm-hmm. of her on the internet. Yeah, every time she makes a complaint and then turns around to try to get evidence and proceed with that complaint, something else is happening. Well, it's it's actively progressing. And um, I believe the point of the writers adding this story the way they are um, isn't because that's what what they want to write about. It's tasteless. Um, But they write about it. We talk about it. We have to watch it. And I think it's just showing the underlying problem. Yeah, it's reality. Yeah. Of like, this is what happens. You know, you Mm -hmm. make a complaint and you get it worse and nothing happens. And then you make another complaint and it gets worse and nothing Mm -hmm. happens. And, you know, for the most part, you know, in our society, there's some people out there, these poor people out there who suffer this and don't get no resolution. So I think they're trying to establish that, that, you know, just because somebody complains and fills out a report doesn't mean it's going to stop. It might actually get worse. And yeah. this is, you know, it's it's a big problem, part mm-hmm. of a big problem, a bigger problem. Sure. Yeah. sure. Exactly. And then she ends up having a, a meeting with uh, Lieutenant Thorne in my side, right? Yeah. And, and Captain Cooper. And Captain Cooper. And I love how uh, Billets was kind of dishing it back to Thorne because. Uh, yeah, she called him out of... before he even made the comment he was going to make. She She's yeah, one step exactly. ahead of him. But she, but I love how she's dishing it back out this yes. season. She's not just sitting there and taking it like last season. Well, she didn't really right. take it long season either. But, but so at one point, you know, Thorne is saying that you rub some people the wrong way, and she's like, right back at you, Don. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Sure. And then Cooper is like, and that, that's funny because Cooper at one point says, "You two have to start getting along." It's like, wait, where was that sentiment a year ago when exactly. we were at Billet's throat throughout the whole season? And then his famous line. Let IA do their job. Just let them do their thing. Yeah. And Billets informs them that there there could be another or that Mank opened an IA complaint for the photo, Mm -hmm. but that she collected it. And Thorne's like, well, bring it on type of thing. Mm -hmm. And it's like, ah. He talks about how she has no proof and she makes it very clear. She's getting it. You know, if she doesn't have it yet, she has some suspicions. She's getting it. She's exactly. So. Yeah, proof, not a problem. She she will she'll get it. So I like that confidence in her, especially against all these odds that are being thrown at her. So yeah, quite a quite an episode for billets there. Let's talk a little bit about the apartment fire because that case is still going. We do see Alvarez in the in the jail and other prisoners are watching him. You know, we continue to see him feeling very uncomfortable about retaliation or what might happen to him, you know, especially if people think that he's talking to the police. We have a conversation between Jay Edgar 
and Harry and Vega. And she feels bad because she missed Lamaya Arista's call when she called from the jail the night that she was taken out, murdered in jail. And so she feels bad because she didn't forward her work phone to herself. But Jerry points out, what could you have done? You know, would it have changed anything? And she's like, well, you never know. And that is, that can be really hard when you, when you don't really know, you know, a a choice or an opportunity never presented itself. So she's going to worry about what maybe she could have done, but they're talking about that. But they say, you know, this is clearly, surely Alvarez is going to hear about this and hear a clear message. Don't talk. You know, don't try to even think about making a deal, you know, and La Mayorisa hadn't even made a deal yet, but they were, they, I think they talk about it as kind of like loose ends and they get a call from someone named Bernice Jenkins from the sheriff's department with Operation Safe Jails, which is a real thing with the LA Sheriff's Department, LA County. She says that he has asked, Alvarez has asked his lawyer to pursue keep away status for him. So she shares that with Harry in regard to, he, you know, she knows that he has an investigation with him. So he kind of asks her if she can kind of take that slow so they can get in a chance to talk to him and maybe have leverage with him. They do go talk to him at the end of the episode and they're kind of hanging that over his head. Like you give us the information. We know it's Pena. They say, we know, we know it's Pena. You confirm that. And then you can, you know, get your keep away status. And you know, he thinks the pause and he decides no. I'm not going to talk until I get the keep away status. So he puts the ball back in their court. You do what you, you know, what I want you to do for me. And then I'll think about talking to you. So they don't get any, you know, he's still not talking. So that's where we end up pretty much with the apartment fire um, case in this episode. Anything else that y'all can think of? I can actually. Another yeah. thing that the writers drew in, which I thought was um, clever. This episode was just clever is my one mm-hmm. word for it, by the way. If that's one of somebody's question later on in the night, it's clever <laughs> is my answer. Um, so they didn't put a lot of emphasis on the house fire, on the apartment fire in the episode. Mm-hmm. I felt there was a lot, lot, not a lot of moving pieces, but three big moving pieces I felt. However, if you realize throughout the episode, they made sure they mentioned her name, um, Sonia Hernandez, and they said it Throughout the episode, there was not like a 10 minute span where she didn't get mentioned. Oh, okay. So they're keeping it fresh in your mind that this is Harry's main. Fu- like, no matter what else is going on, if mm-hmm. you look at every 10 minutes, Harry's mentioned it, and it's somebody else. Somebody's calling Harry about it. You know, even when the reporter called Harry, yeah. hey, I want, I want about the little Tamale girl. Hang up. You know what I'm saying? But they still yeah. threw that in there in a gap of 20 minutes where other things were going on. So they want you to know that this is not even close to being over. And this right. is just next episode. I feel like we're going to go heavy on the um, apartment okay. fire. Yeah, yeah. It may not be the main focus of attention this episode, but they're they're keeping it. You're not forgetting it. They won't let yeah, you forget no. it. It's, it's too important to the season. So right. pay attention. You know, that's what I'm thinking. Absolutely. Well, why don't you kick off the talk, Mike, about there are some shootings. It's crazy. Yes. So right away at the opening in the opening sequence of the episode, we see yeah, Sorry, Money Candler leaving a voicemail for Victor Franzen. And as your voice is on the phone, you see that Victor Franzen is no longer with the living. No, <laughs> he's, he's not. Got on his couch, uh, the laptop and his phone were on the table in front of him. And then you see a hitman taking the flash drive out of the laptop, closing the laptop, taking both of those. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if he took the phone too. I can't remember that, but, uh, mm. but taking the stuff off the table, stepping mm-hmm. over Victor's girlfriend, Alessandra Dowd. Mm-hmm. and leaving the house and then the uh the real shocker is when it cuts to the morning and you see honey candler leaving another vo- uh, voicemail for victor mm-hmm. while she's walking down her stairs and all of a sudden the hitman comes out from 
behind a wall and shoots her twice. So that was a major shocker for, for me, especially because, you know, I heard that she was being attached to the spinoff and yeah. it's like, wow. So I was not expecting a shooting here. <laughs> so you, yeah, you were shocked, but you're like, you were shocked, but you weren't overly concerned because you're like, wait, I know she's going to be in the spinoff, exactly. but not, but not everyone knows that some people don't even realize so that there's a spinoff. I'm trying to spread the word. But I've, I've found, like you probably have too, Mike, that there's a lot of fans out there that are still asking, oh, why can't we have more Bosch? You know, and we're exactly. like, hey, there's a spinoff. <laughs> and actually, Pete, you had something to say about this. Yeah. So I knew there was a Bosch spinoff and I knew that Bosch and Maddie were definitely in it. I didn't know that Honey Chandler was also in it. Okay. So when this happened in my head, I'm like, okay, final season, you know, she's hit. This is going to become very personal for Bosch. Mm-hmm. because it's Maddie's like mentor. So I was looking at it from a totally different perspective as far as, you know, she's done. She's okay. done. Mm-hmm. Or if she makes a dramatic comeback, maybe at the end she wakes up at the end of the episode, but I didn't expect to see her. I, I thought it was a bad one. To me, she was, yeah. it, it was 50-50 booking. Like you guys might've been like, no, there's no way. You know, she has time to recover till the spinoff starts. I'm sitting here like, yo, 90, 10, 90% she's gone. Like, yeah. this, is just, this is just to show you that like, whatever this case is, like boss is going to have to like go. I'm, I'm thinking this is another, this is just another layer of the case in my head. And mm-hmm. I'm like, holy, holy moly. Yeah. You know, what, what just happened here? It's the middle of the day, the morning, inside the house. Like, it's so, like, open and public. Random. But it seems, yeah. ra- it's not random, but it seems so random to us, you know. And it's, it just seems so easy. Yeah. <laughs> Scarily yeah. easy, if you want to yeah. know my opinion. Yeah, it's very mm-hmm. scary. And I think, I think all of us agree that it's, like, it was super shocking the way it was filmed and, and, and the act itself. But knowing that about the spinoff, you know, that probably eased our fears quickly, whereas... Pete, you didn't know. You thought that that most likely was it for her. Now, before you go ahead, Mike, there's so much more to talk about, but I do have a question. I saw like her back windows, like out to maybe to her sun porch or something. It looked like they were open. So I'm trying to think, how did this guy get in? So I'm thinking maybe he came through the back. He was in the back. I think when he shot her, she was, well, she came down the stairs and and then looked towards the back. But how did he get in at Franzen's? Was that guy, I don't even have a good word for him. Was he stupid enough to open the door, you think? Or did you think that the gunman broke in somehow? Well, see, the one thing that we learned was that he was outside, right? Yeah. That house, like Mm -hmm. almost all night. Yeah. So he was scoping the situation. So we got to assume he did the same thing with Honey Chandler's place. Mm-hmm. He's a professional, so he probably had gloves and he probably knows how to lock pick, I would assume, mm-hmm. if he's that okay. good. Mm-hmm. So even a window, I'm sure a window is easy to lock pick if you're a professional. You know, there's ways around it. And yeah, mm-hmm. open up a back window, quietly come in. Yeah. But then he came around the front also. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I could kind of convince myself maybe how he got in at, at Honey Chandler's, but then I was like, how would he have entered at the at the cottage? But then I thought about how Vincent was not following any of the rules. Maybe he was, you know, dumb enough to to actually open the door or something, or, or he left it unlocked. Oh, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah, he may have just the, left it unlocked. Well, the yeah. thing about Vincent is that he had like um, somebody come over, and then yeah. even when um when Maddie dropped off the thing, you didn't hear a click on the lock. Maybe they threw that mm. in on purpose. Because remember, oh. she turned around and she was like, yeah, well, you're welcome. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they, they oh, gave okay. you that extra second of quietness to purposely hear that he did not, oh, maybe. you know, that he did not lock the lock. So then, oh, OK, this guy walks right in the front door. Yeah, yeah exactly. Not, I mean, not that it really matters. It doesn't change the story. I was just I just got to thinking about it when I was 
But knowing how clever the writers are, I can see them doing a part where, you know, we're watching the episode piece by piece, especially when I'm doing trivia. I'm pausing stuff and I'm listening for sounds and yeah. maybe that on purpose where they said, OK, normal time you hear the click of the lock, mm-hmm. you know, in a safe house. You're not doing that. You know, there's a guy outside. Here's the connectable. <laughs> you know, yeah. A, yeah. A to B, you know, simple. OK. All right. Well, thank you for those insights. Carry on, Mike, because there's a there's a lot here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is just the start of the episode. I know. <laughs> title sequence. So it's just, it was really, uh, I don't know if there's, I mean, I know there's been some episodes like that where it's like, it you know, hits you with a shocker right before the title sequence. And then, mm-hmm. then uh, after the title sequence is done, you uh, they go through a few things and then Billets comes up and lets Bosch and Edgar and Vega know that there's a double homicide in Beachwood Canyon. So in the next time you see the three of them, Pierce has also joined them at the crime scene as well. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about how it could be a pro hit, you know, because uh, Victor Franzen was double tapped in the pump. Mm-hmm. I think that's uh, slang for heart, uh-huh. which is kind of fun. And then once when they decided or once when they found out who it was, Victor Franzen on the couch and not Victor Franzen's wife on the floor. Right. <laughs> Bosch uh, started calling Honey Candler to, to leave a message, you know, saying it's about your client. You need to call me back ASAP. And then uh, he also calls Beryl to have them have him run the address mm-hmm. and that's obviously every time crate and barrel are on the screen there's always a great conversation with the two of them so <laughs> yeah you know so it's like so barrel's like hey we can be out there in 15 minutes yes if you give the say so nope i just need an address you know so you can see the eyes rolling from crate oh great you know I think he says he's a secretary with a badge or something. Exactly. Secretary with a badge. And then he had another line, too, about he should have joined the highway patrol or something. Oh, yeah. 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 They are just itching to get more involved. You know, of course. And but that's, that's been the theme. That's been the yeah. theme with them, though, for every season. They, they they get put to the side as if they're written off as nobodies and they're ready to just go and retire and be quiet. And then they always show up during the big moment. I mean, KTK, mm-hmm. last season, even this season, this this conversation, when they look up the number, they find out that it's owned by Honey Chandler. Yeah, they find. Yeah, they and find. That's a big really moment in, in this whole episode. Yeah. So Crate and Barrel, once again, involved in a big moment. Mm hmm. You know, Absolutely. and it's great. And I did, I know that's a fan favorite line that uh, Beryl says before hanging up with Harry, you know, on it like a bonnet. You know, yeah, that's thing. a good one. And then Crate's like, bonnet? Ah, bite me, it rhymes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the banter back and forth, obviously, yeah. Crate and Beryl are fan favorites of the show, so. Definitely. And then uh, see here, so once when I think Beryl calls Bosch back to let him mm-hmm. know that the house is owned by Money Chandler, Honey Chandler, and so then he's frantically trying to get a hold of her. He calls Maddie to find out if she's talked to Honey during the morning at all. And she goes, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm just uh, I'm about to pick her up from her house type of thing. And Bosch is like, absolutely do not go to the house. Yeah. Park a block down and wait for me. And, and Maddie's like, well, now you're scaring me. It's like, just do what I said. <laughs> I'm on the way. I'll be there in, what, 10, 15 minutes tops type of thing. And, and of course, Maddie doesn't <laughs> listen. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Because she's also worried about her you know boss miss chandler and so she goes into the house and sees uh, honey on the ground bleeding and calls yeah. 911 and as she's calling 911 you hear the uh, squad cars pulling up to the front of the house mm-hmm. and then see her bosh well edgar leads the way up the steps to the house bosh is in fo- following him up the steps but then you see maddie come out throw up mm-hmm. <laughs> at least she didn't do it on the, uh, on the crime scene though too so that's oh there you thing. go there you go <laughs> 
Well, you know what? That's what she gets. That's what she gets. Because, you know, if I got a call, if if, if a similar situation with me, you know, and my dad was still alive and called me up and said, you know, don't go in there. Okay. You know, you're not a cop. You know, you you don't know nothing about, you know, what there's nothing. No, there's no danger when you tell me what to do. You know, you know about this or that, you know, when your father is Bosch (laughs) and he's a cop. And he's calling you up and saying, do not go in that house. And there's people missing. Maybe you should listen. Yeah. At the same time, could that be not more of a Bosch thing that Maddie did than <laughs> she did? She did a Bosch. I call yeah, it a yeah. Bosch because like if we, it gave me a parallel um, thought process mm-hmm. to when he ran in for the bomb mm-hmm. um, was it last mm-hmm. season. He, yeah. ran in when he knew he shouldn't. Right. But he had to go in just in case there's something more he can do. And I'm sure in her mind, you know, she didn't think she was going to find her like that. Yeah. But maybe but maybe in her mind, if she found her ill for whatever reason, that couple of minutes would have helped by getting the yeah. ambulance there that much quicker. Yeah. So I understand her need to go, you know, probably to help first. At the same time, you got grossed out by what you saw. You should have listened to your dad. And now you're throwing <laughs> up. So I don't have no sympathy for you throwing up right now, Maddie. No sympathy. You should have went in there. You should listen to your father. You're channeling Jay right now. I totally can hear Jay saying that. <laughs> um, true. But I, you will enjoy her interview because that this question does does come up. So I think you will enjoy that, Pete, for sure. It, it, before we move on with it, though, uh, you know, some people kind of thought, you know, well, did she got there and saved her. And then a lot of people say, well, the police were pulling up anyway. They were. How did that, you know, thirty seconds? potentially help save her but if you i was thinking about it if if she had stayed in the car and not gone to the door but everyone arrived you know bosch would have checked on her they would have gone up to the house i mean i don't know if they would have just pulled the door down right away or what the approach would have been but it would have added a little more time if the door was not already open you know if maddie had not already entered it would have added at least a couple minutes don't you think yeah because i think maddie did use her key to get into the house so yeah so the door was locked in that case yeah so that you would have at least had yeah so i don't know i i I think that there can be an argument for um every minute that she was there or you know it it just counts towards her getting i think we just answered one of our questions if maddie had to use a key to get through the front door i'm pretty sure that the the murderer the hitman didn't lock the door when he left so i'm pretty sure your theory about the back window makes sense now yeah Mm -hmm. that's a good thank you thank you Hmm. there you go all right I'll let you carry on, Mike. I just wanted to ask about that. <laughs> hey, no problem. It's a great question to have. Yeah, and then uh, Robertson and Bennett pull up to the house. So we get to see that Robertson finally made it to RHD, which is a great thing to see. And he piled over that curb. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> the late <laughs> bark. That was like his, his entrance. You know, he just <laughs> he nailed that curb, and then you get out, and it's Jimmy. You know, it's like, he oh. Was, he was a really bright spot and a really bitter moment of the episode because yeah. when i saw him i was like this is a refreshing surprise like all right yeah. you know jimmy's here you know let's i go. agree i agree yeah. yeah i was so happy to see him back this season and then obviously bosch sees him pull up or and then or walking up and they're like so i guess you guys are going to be, be big foot in our case now type of thing and mm-hmm. and robertson well they uh bosch tells robertson and bennett that they are connected the yeah. shooting money chandler shooting they look like they're both connected so if, if they want to work together it'll be more beneficial for all parties mm-hmm. yeah when they're in the scene they realize that victor franzen was shot the night before most likely because uh, older crime scene. Mm-hmm. Money Chandler was shot in the morning because the, there's still fresh blood on the ground. And they were trying to figure out, well, how come she isn't dead? You know, and they realized when they looked down at the thermos that 
Honey Chandler was carrying, it has a graze from a bullet on right. it that also I think shot the vase. I think it grazed off of the thermos and shot the and then vomit. hit the vase. Okay, yeah, I think so. So I think that's all I had for that. Unless you guys want to mention more. So, I mean, obviously there's stuff throughout the whole episode about the shootings, but yeah, yeah, leads up to where the investigation starts. Right, right, yeah. And so Jimmy needs to talk with. He does an interview with Maddie there at the house and. Of course, Harry wants to sit in and he does, but he behaves and mm-hmm. uh, he, she starts, uh, Jimmy starts asking her questions and she answers what she can. She has concerns about divulging confidential information about the client and they talk about how they're putting the paperwork in to get a special master and that, you know, eventually she will be able to share more. And let's see, there's a little bit between Jerry and Joan. He's like, hey, and she's like, hey, and She's like, why haven't you been calling me? And he he blames it on the job and his kids. And, you know, she says, hey, you've had job, the job and the kids as long as I've known you. So, you know, if something's a matter, that's, you know, that's not it. So things were still a little awkward between them. But they do that interview there. Jerry takes Maddie home, gives her a ride home. She, you know, she's tired. She's stressed from everything that happened. And they carry on with the investigation. And I guess it's the next day that Jimmy, like, does the official or more of an official maybe um, interrogation or interview with Maddie. And well, get- I believe, Tracy, they actually, yeah. I believe the next day they had the proper paperwork. Right. They had the special questions. master. Yeah. yeah. At that point, he could go for It was being filmed. Bosch was watching it. Yep. I mean, there was a lot going on there. A lot more exposed. Right. Bosch was in the other room and Edgar and Joan was in there. <laughs> What's that? And Edgar comes in late because he woke up at 1145 in the morning. Well, yeah, 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 he did. So, yeah, because Jerry ended up having a drink, not with Joan. He asked her about having a drink. She said no. And uh, he did end up having a drink with someone. It was not Joan, however. Um, And he so, yes, he woke up late and arrived late. But they're, they're listening in on the interview. And there's the mention of the thumb drive and they're like wait thumb drive we didn't see a thumb drive and so jimmy goes out and talks to the other detectives and they're like yeah the boss is like the shooter has it so there was she's telling them about this thumb drive you know paperwork the laptop and that's all gone they didn't see that so and also it is revealed to harry i don't think he knew at that point that Maddie did the filming. I don't think that not, came up in the first interview. Not not with the way Bosch's face and right. his head dropped because it just went from, you know, okay, you know, I, I just got to figure out, you know, who shot Honey Chandler to, oh, no. Like, mm-hmm. I know how I, this is going to become real. Like, this, yeah. if, you see his face just like, oh, no, this just got real. And with the yeah. whole thing happening, you know, throughout the whole season and, you know, you have um, Sonia Hernandez and now this, I'm just like, it's it's episode four. <laughs> Let's get boxing. You know what I'm saying? Like, like <laughs> pop the Red Bull or whatever it is, you know, water, <laughs> propel water, whatever it is you drink, Gatorade, box, right. get yourself going and let's have some like, episode five, six, seven, eight, crush everybody. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we're it's 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 we're only halfway, and and this is some serious stuff for sure. And you're right, we saw that look on Bosch's face when he found out that the house belonged to Chandler. Started connecting the dots, and then we saw that same look kind of on his face when he learned that she was in the room doing the videotaping, and that they didn't have that thumb drive that the shooter must have it, must have taken it with him. So he's definitely getting more stressed about you know the threat level for Maddie. Yeah, and that's she finally mentions the name Carl Rogers. So we get that kind of on the books. And that's about as far as we go with like the actual investigation of the shootings. We do have a couple scenes with Maddie later in the episode 
at one point, I guess it's the night maybe between the interviews, Maddie's talking to Harry back at the house and mm-hmm. she tells how money doesn't like that nickname money. And they kind of just bat back and forth about, you know, how honey works. And I think she says that she, yeah, she works the system, but Bosch says, oh, she plays the system, you know, cause they're kind of coming out from slightly different angles. Um, but they, they both agree that, you know, she's really tough and they share a toast to her. And first Harry refers to her as money, but then Maddie's like honey. And he says, honey, you know, so they mm-hmm. kind of agree with the toast. So that's an interesting conversation. I was not aware that she didn't like the name, And then we also have a scene with Maddie after that second interview with Jimmy at the station. uh, Once they have the special master privileges, Um, she gets in the car with Antonio. He's there to pick her up and has some something smells good in the backseat. They head home and he's gotten this nice takeout meal for them. Pete, do you want to talk about their interaction over the meal? Yeah, I do, actually, because I was going to jump in on whoever led the conversation anyway. Okay. Um, well, as you all know, AGG returns. Yeah, AGG <laughs> all day. Antonio's got to go. I mean, and, and he's like, oh, well, I know that you just came back from an interview and she was shot yesterday, but I was wondering if you want to just roll out all your emotional feelings in one night on a sleeve and tell me everything. This guy in his touching feeling, I was hoping that she called the Uber and never came back, but the Tabasco <laughs> saved him, okay? The Tabasco <laughs> saved him, okay? He's like, how do you feel? You want to talk about it? Are you still processing? And she's just like, dude, what do you mean? Am I still processing? It hasn't even fully hit me yet. Like, seriously, I'm leaving because I just got interrogated for two and a half days. You know, I'm going through so much. And like, I just need you to be quiet and just let me cry on your shoulder. Yeah. And all you're doing is trying too hard. So okay. Antonio's got to go. <laughs> I understand. I understand that, you know, but I feel like this guy is way too forward from his conversation with Bosch at dinner, asking Bosch about the about how many people, what was her name, what do you know about her? Like, shut up! You're in the Bosch family now. You're very low in the Bosch family. Know your role and shut your mouth, Antonio, if you want to survive, okay? You have a beautiful girl who has a lot going for her and is way better than you'll ever be, and I speak for Pete <laughs> and Jay here, okay? And let her go places and not be with you. Okay. Okay. Take a breath, man. (laughs) But I hear you. I hear you. And the thing is, I can see both of their perspectives because he's trying the only way he knows how to be there for her. But like you say, maybe at this point, all she wants is someone to literally be there with her. She's not ready to talk about it yet. So he's trying to do the right thing. Too hard. He's trying too hard. hard. Yeah, maybe he is trying too hard. So yeah, it's it, it's hard to see, kind of hard for me to see her get mad at him because I'm like, well, he's trying, he's trying to help you. But I can also see her perspective. But an, another thing that this scene made me think about was when Maddie, the last season or season before, told her dad that he was like a turtle, you know, that would just retreat into his shell so often. And I wonder if it was someone other than Maddie, maybe some other girl or, you know, maybe they would be ready to talk about it a little bit. But I wonder if this is a little bit of evidence of her being kind of like her dad and sort of keeping those feelings in under the shell right now. Like she's not ready to talk about them yet. I don't know that anybody would be at that point, but I just that is one other thought that that came to my mind. So Pete has talked about I have talked about it. What do you say about it, Mike? Well, I I guess I can be on the, you know, positive side that he's trying to get Maddie to talk about it. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a pediatric nurse. Mm-hmm. He 
you know, he wants to comfort people. He wants to be there for them. And yeah, just wrong timing, pushing a little bit too hard. So kind of on the both fences, you know, it's like he's trying to yeah. be comforting, but he's being a pain in the butt at the same time. Yeah. But at least he had great food. <laughs> yeah. I, well, like he I said, seen, the Tabasco sauce. <laughs> I want to put a cap on this. Okay. Antonio, okay. I got some advice from you. Okay. And I'm single. All you got to do is just like massage, rub her feet and let her talk to you. Don't ask. Just, just, when just give her ready. And wait for her to be willing to talk to you. And if she doesn't talk to you today, she'll be ready tomorrow or the next day. That's all, Antonio. Okay. All right. Take it with a grain of salt. All right. Well, I think we hit most of the points. If we forgot something, feel free to let us know. But I think we can email into the tip line. Yeah, let us know. Tell us on the tip line. That's right, Mike. All right. So we're going to move into our interrogation room. We each have a question for the other two. Can I go first? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Why do you think Honey hates her nickname? Is it because like it diminishes what she does? Like she doesn't doesn't really reflect the real value of her, what she's doing as an attorney, like that she doesn't want to just be about the money or does she think it's some bad press in some way? And that I don't know because some people like, like even Franzen, I mean, he's a jerk, but he was impressed by her because she had the nickname money, you know, so I could see that going either way. Some people might think of it in a bad way. Some people might think of it in a good way, but so, I mean, there's obviously a lot of reasons why she might not like the nickname. And I'm just curious why y'all think it is. Go ahead. Or you want to go first or you want me to? I'll let you go, Mike. Go ahead. Okay. I think it is because it kind of demeans what she does for a living. I mean, Bosch always says that she plays a system. She, you know, tries to, you know, just get money out of her clients and out of the city. So maybe Mm -hmm. it's just more of a demeaning thing for her as a lawyer, where she's not always after the money. Maybe she is just after justice for wrongfully accused people. But, Mm -hmm. you know, with a house like that, you can't really deny (laughs) (laughs) that money has been involved. The money money is a factor as well. Yeah. What do you think, Pete? So when Bosch and Maddie were having that conversation about her, I felt like it was very important to understand that Maddie is looking at Honey Chandler as a mentor, a successful um, businesswoman with morals and then just, you know, successful Mm-hmm. And things that you'd want to be where Bosch over the course of, you know, how many seasons has pretty much looked at her as a slimy get around the system in it for the money only represent, you know, high level cases where she can, you know, mm-hmm. leech off the system yeah. um, by defending bad guys. And I feel like Bosch really has a different type of respect for her. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a mutual, you know, I respect you because you're good at what you do and you make money and you respect me because I'm good at what I do and I'm a cop and arrest people. And, you know, mm-hmm. we both do our thing. And I feel like Maddie looks at her in a totally different way. And obviously, if you look at those two spectrums, if you're her, the person Chandler, which one do you want to be? Who do you want more people to know you has, you know, Honey Chandler, the devoted, successful businesswoman who has a moral compass or the slimy, you know, the lawyer that, that gets, you know, defends the bad guy, even though they know the person's bad and makes plea deals and just takes their money. You know, you got to know Chandler thinks in their head sometimes how many people have looked at her this way and how they all look at her this way. And it probably bothers her so much because why would you want to be looked at as somebody like that? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Well, that makes me wonder too, if has she ever had this mentor type relationship? Relationship before has she been as close to someone as she is with Maddie like I didn't really see it in the beginning that they were going to have this bond but it certainly has developed and I wonder yeah. if that has shifted the way she wants people to think of because her. when you hear the radio person talking about her getting shot like she defended such um high slum lords has blah 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 and blah <laughs> yeah. blah blah Veronica blah. Allen and, and, yeah. and corrupt detective Harry Bosch <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> so I mean, you know, nobody nobody looks at her in a positive way except for Maddie, I feel. So, you know, that conversation, that's why I feel like at the end of that conversation when he said, you know, cheers to honey, mm-hmm. it was him humanizing her again. Okay. And you know, for Maddie. Okay. I don't think Boss felt that way personally. Okay. All right, what questions do you guys have? That one, Pete? Yeah, I'll, I'll go. I have, I have a softball one. So this whole thing, I feel like it's not really a question, but it's more of a shout out to an underrated character in the show throughout. Mink? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when Billets fills up the first report, you're like, okay, it's a female phone, a female complaint. Now Mink just got her back 110%, didn't even think twice, brought those guys in, filled up the paperwork, put his name out there. You know, mm-hmm. most cops wouldn't want to put the name on an IGA incident report or whatever the incident name of the incident report is mm-hmm. and, and do all that work and get put in that, especially when you know there's so much heat on Billis right now to mm-hmm. back her that so much and go there. I feel like it just shows you that like, you know, uh, yes, a lot of a lot of these guys in, in this show and in, in this season in particular, these cops are being portrayed as assholes and jerks. Part of mm-hmm. my French, just real sleaze bags. Mm-hmm. And it just shows you that, you know, w- you know, a couple bad apples, you know, isn't doesn't make them all the same because Mink has been an underrated hero throughout yeah. for many on the show. Yeah. This season in this episode in particular, I feel like I'm going to sacrifice my question just to say anything good you guys want to say about Mink. Go for it. Yes. There's so many good things to say about him. We did. We dedicated a whole podcast to him yeah. last season for appreciation. But I, I continue to be inspired by him because I, I, what I'm going to say is his level head. Like he, he maintains that sort of dry sense of humor, but he, he doesn't let himself get too emotional. Like if something kind of freaks him out, he might kind of make a joke about it, but he still stays in command. You know, he still stays in his job and does what he needs to do. So it's like when he came up upon those guys with that, you know, he could have started yelling at him or put, you know, whatever. He's like, okay, don't delete that. Let's go talk. You know, he just keeps a cool head. So go Mank. What about you? Mike. Yeah, Mank's such a great character in the show. Like, I think I was a part of that podcast last year with the yeah. appreciation episode. I mean, definitely a fan favorite. Great barrel. I mean, he's also the light, I mean, uh, Mank's like the lifeblood of Hollywood Division. Mm-hmm. Not only can he lend a lend an ear but he can also deliver a eulogy for like uh, yeah for ryan rogers at the in season six last year so i mean yeah. it's like or offering a drink to billets when she was dealing with the stuff from season mm-hmm. six as well i mean so he's always comforting uh, presence listens but he also you know when he needs to get something across he doesn't he doesn't uh what's the phrase i'm looking for he doesn't hold back you know he <laughs> He's honest. Yeah. Honest and like dealing with powers, dealing with powers in season five when Vega came in and it's like, yeah, you know, it's like, uh, what was it? Uh, Let's, let's keep your mind occupied. So it keeps the mouth shut. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Like, so it's like, he's always there for everybody. And I love seeing that obviously, like I said, fan, fan, definitely a fan favorite of the show throughout the whole entire series. All right. I like it, Pete. And then I didn't have to worry about answering a question wrong. (laughs) Oh, there you go. (laughs) All right, Mike, what's your question? Well, mine's kind of like at the beginning of the episode. I know Victor Franzen, you know, he has a lot of people he's hurt. Uh, mm-hmm. Would you guys have liked to have seen how he was killed or they were killed in the house? Or are you happy the way it started off the way it did? <laughs> it's it's fine. It was shocking enough the way it was. I'm not really into the, the violence for violence sake, but it sent a clear message that some swift action was taken and he was taken out. So, uh, yeah, no, I didn't need to to see anything. If anything, I thought your question was going to be what I've wanted to see more of him in the season. And oh. <laughs> and if you had asked that, I would have said maybe, 
I mean, he annoyed me to no end. Oh, but absolutely. That, but that made this, the story compelling, you know. So I was kind of like, oh, well, I guess we're not going to have to deal with his antics anymore. You know, he, he's gone. So, but yeah, what about you, Pete? Well, I thought his question was going to be, do you think he got off easy just being shot? Oh. He's sitting uh-huh. there compared to all the people he screwed over. Mm-hmm. You would think that someone, you know, someone that gets, you know, killed because of, you know, their interactions would be like tortured. Mm-hmm. But um, I think the, the TV answer is the reason why they didn't show you the kill with him in the first beginning of the episode was because them not showing you the shot made the Honey Chandler shooting seem that much more impactful. Oh, Whereas yeah. if we seen it in the first, the beginning, of the, you know, obviously mm-hmm. they, it was the same kind of shooting. Yeah. So it's implied. But like, who's the bigger who's the bigger shot? You know, who do you who would you rather right. see get? You know, I'm not saying who would you rather see get shot, but who's more important to know what's going on and to see the full, you know, act of what, you know, with honey compared to, you know, this gold bar guy. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. So I think that's why they did that. They just showed you him dead. And then they showed you pretty much like when honey got shot, that was like how he got shot. So, mm-hmm. but okay. it was more impactful. Okay. Ooh, good point. Very good. All right. Well, I think we can move on to the persons of interest. And again, I'm this gonna- is, I want to go first. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh you want to go first? first? Okay. Yeah. I'm just going to remind folks that this is not necessarily like MVP of the episode or anything, or a person that is a suspect, you know, and with the term person of interest, it's just someone we want to highlight for the episode for any particular reason. So go ahead, Pete. Okay. So before anybody took my answer, because I've been leading up to this from the beginning, my person of interest is Carl Rogers, which I'm sure is everybody's persons of interest, but I also want to know because in the beginning of the episode there was a conversation where the mayor was having um oh you know the fbi dropped the case blah 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 right after all this all these people got shot it's carl rogers and the mayor in cahoots and is the mayor the big bad guy that we're going after in episode eight because i've been calling it all season and i'm just like i'm just like and irvin's gonna be the main you know he's this is i can see the arc form and if i'm wrong i'm wrong i've been wrong in the past i mean but for me, as a fan, you know, I'm hyped to see like Irvin jump on board, team up with Bosch, go take down the mayor, you know, like just let's go. So Carl Rogers, who is he? What has he done? And is he in connection with the mayor or not? Okay. Okay. That is, that is interesting theory. Huh. Okay. That's your person of interest. What about you, Mike? Well, I'm going to go with Billets because, you know, she's trying to, trying to investigate the two officers that left another couple, another pair of officers out to dry on a call. You know, she's, she's stepping up for herself in this season and this episode in general, especially to Thorne and Cooper, you know, she's going to find out, she's going to get the evidence and she's going to take down whoever vandalized her car and posted these vile pictures online of her. So Mm -hmm. that's my person. That's your person. Okay. Well, I'm going to channel Jay here and say, I was going to go with the easy answer, which would be Maddie. (laughs) And yes, she was very important to the episode, but I'm going to go with somebody different, Jimmy. And I have to give Mm -hmm. credit to Pete for this because you made a good point that with that super scary, unexpected situation, everybody must have perked up a little bit when they saw Jimmy get out of the car. And especially when he, like I said, he slammed over the curb and you found out that was Jimmy getting out of the car that had done that. He's just, he's so charismatic. I mean, he's got that swagger and everything. So, I mean, I hear people all the time, you know, I wish Robertson had been in last season, you know, so I know everyone was excited to see him. And so that just that in itself, it was a treat to see him. But I, I do think you made a really good point as far as the, the tone of the storytelling that, you know, you can only take but so much scary, scary, scary at once, you know, and that was a little 
perk seeing him. And I think the, the fact also, Jimmy and well, Joan as well, bringing RHD into it, you know, it, it's a different level, not different level of investigation because they're going to investigate for everyone. But, you know, it brings more investigators, more detectives into the story. And, and to see Jimmy work with um, Harry again is always fun, you know, so and it's anyways jimmy that's a, that's a great that's a great point because when i was watching the episode the first time I'm like oh my gosh all these people are dead and then you see jimmy hey he made our hey jimmy and i was like da, da, da. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so he, he was a, a sight for sore eyes for sure all right that moves us into the evidence locker what do we have this week a lot we got of that uh, strange <laughs> phone call from the mayor yeah or the uh what is not really oh, strange phone call but just yeah the, something uh, has closed she's happy about something yep. having the investigation yeah. Was, closed yeah there was some there was investigation. an investigation yeah mm-hmm. and and that and then sergeant brown hands that information over to irv so you know that's going to escalate and he's going to dig into that that's got to happen well, let's see well, you got, we found out Maddie's involved now like you know oh yeah questions you know she's yeah. obviously gonna have to go to trial and you know could need could need witness protection for all we know i mean right we know that we this thumb drive could be pivotal you know we don't know enough about carl going. rogers to know what's really going on here so mm-hmm. i guess hopefully we'll find out sooner than later because now i need to know because Bosch has to crush everybody well and i don't know if we mentioned this earlier i know we talked about billets asking luella at watch commander office to look up that incident report i don't know if we mentioned that she came back and said they did leave them in the lurch, so to speak. They did not respond to the call like they said they would. So that's a little more evidence for Billets in her own personal investigation yeah. into those guys. Seems like Alvarez is going to talk a little bit with or talk with Bosch and Edgar as long as they get him into a... Right, uh, yeah. Th- that was something, too, that I love how they did the uh, when they were zooming in on Alvarez that they flashed to Pena yeah. sitting on a couch, you know, because it's like, well, what, what do you think Pena is doing right now? You know, they He's plotting you to be taken out as well. Type yeah. of thing. That was they a very cool shot. Of of sitting in there thinking. <laughs> yeah, it was almost like a dream state or something. It was yeah. really cool the way they, they shot Let me that. just make a statement. Episode four, still like Pena. <laughs> okay. Just saying, still, just saying right now. Still, still like giving him. him a chance. I'm not hating I, him. I can't help thinking about that and, and what you've said every time I, I rewatch now. It's like, oh, well, it's. There's no evidence that he did anything wrong right now. He's just the guy that just runs a gang and is just like, yo, I don't know what you're talking about. Leave me alone, boss. Go after yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like, So uh, that's going to be the next big reveal, that he has nothing to do with it? Is that No, the next big reveal is that he's going to be guilty as sin. And I'm going <laughs> to hate him and I'm going to bash him and apologize to everybody on the podcast. But right now, little podcast boy is enjoying pain. He's, uh, you know, for- okay, okay. I can take it. All right. Well, for the tip line... We did uh, hear from someone on Twitter. Flavor Country talked about this being a super powerful episode. Indeed, it was. No doubt. We also heard from someone back about episode one. Like we said, you can write in about any episode you want. We won't go ahead episodes, but if you want to talk about any prior episode, we'll want to talk about that as well. This was a kind of funny, actually. So this was about episode one. Pete's really putting the count in Everybody Counts this year. Love the show, guys. Keep it up. Best saloon. So it took me a second to figure this out, but this is really clever and really funny because episode one was where Pete did the trivia about how many balloons were on the stage at the jazz club. So that's the counting. Episode two, I believe I did a trivia question about how many windows. 
Oh yeah, you did do another one counting. So, so yes, that's what yeah. he means by Pete's really putting the count in everybody counts. Very clever. So yeah, as much as you do the counting questions, I still can't bring myself to really count. Well, so spoiler I'm gonna... alert, Tracy. Yeah. Trivia does not have counting involved. Does not have counting. Okay. No. All right. But thank you, Celine, for <laughs> Mike's uh, in the corner scratching out all his counting questions that he possibly asked <laughs> right now. He's like, all right, section B. Cancel, cancel. <laughs> But thank you, Celine, for, for writing to us about that. And then, what do you know? We heard from Bosch Trivia Guy, Mike Martini. From yes, me? Really? Yeah, he's here with us, but he also took the time to write in. <laughs> what a way to start an episode. Two dead and Chandler being shot. Wow. Great to see the return of Robertson in this episode. Was happy to see that he made it to RHD finally. Yes, good job, Jimmy. I love the Bennett character. And with that being said, I wish that the production writing team would have had Robertson partner, partnered up with Kisman Ryder to keep her projection from the books and have her get a call back into the series too. A lot of fans miss Kiz. And yeah, we only saw her in season one. So that, that's mm-hmm. very interesting, Mike. And so with Robertson and Bennett paired up, what happened with Brad Conniff? Did he retire or get another partner? Just a question that I had from this episode. So I looked into this, Mike, before the podcast. And actually, I had to go back and look at some of my recaps and notes. His partner was still Espinoza last season. Oh, it's it's that right. he and he and Bennett were brought to the task force for the Arias and Marcos murders. They pulled a team together. So they pulled out Bennett and pulled out Conniff to be a part of that task force. So they still had, you know, presumably had oh, their okay. other partners. And, and Espinosa was in a few episodes last season. So we did see her. So I think that that explains that. Cause I was kind of, I was kind of wondering some of the same thing. I was like, Oh, and now she's with Robertson and was, you know, how, you know, how many partners has she had kind of thing. So, so yeah, that's, that's the scoop there as far as I understood it when I went back and looked, but thank you always Mike. Well, thank for, you for looking at that. Oh, you're welcome. Absolutely. Yeah. If, if you can send us a question, we're going to try to get the answer. Listen, listen, let me, bring, let me make this as simple as possible. You okay. can write the tip line and say, Anything you want to say about anything Bosch ever, how you feel, if you wish you were him, who's your favorite character and why, something about season two, anything, send it into the tip line and we will, we will acknowledge it. And we that's the thing. On, yeah. On we the like podcast. to talk about Bosch. That's why we do yeah. the podcast. We love I'm just saying people don't got to, people shouldn't yeah. feel that they had, they could only send us episode eccentric yeah, um, no. messages. Yeah. Whatever. Thanks. Mm-hmm. All right. Can I do a real live tip line right now? Oh yeah. Go for it. Okay, I remember uh, when I was re-watching episode three, and I for- I forgot to bring this up last week, and also to everybody, we all forgot to bring it up last week. Where uh, Vega and Pierce both confronting billets about you know who's gonna, or how many uh, detectives are gonna be blended in with West Bureau, and yeah. you know it's kind of given the answer where it's like, well, two, mm-hmm. maybe three, you know. So it's gonna be interesting to see how that plays out as well throughout the season too. Very interesting. Yeah, we're we're all waiting to. Uh to get those answers. So they're doing a good job of playing that up, you know, cause it would just yes. be easy to forget that that's transition is happening, but yeah, they're keeping us interested in the outcome with those scenes. So that brings us to trivia with officer Pete. And then because we have boss trivia guy, we get trivia from boss trivia guy. And then since those two get to ask a trivia question, I get to ask a trivia question. We all, all right. get to ask a trivia question. All right. So since mine are, you know, usually not as good as you all's, I will go first. All right. How old is Alessandra Dowd? 
Ooh. We learned. Guess they, they found her. Yeah, they found her ID, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I remember. I remember they found the ID. I forgot what the age. What was. they said. I was on it. <laughs> I'm gonna play it off just with how old she looked. I'm gonna say okay. 32. Okay. How about you, Pete? I'm gonna go with the old Price is Right mentality since I really have no clue and say 31. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Not too far off, 27. It yes. says mm-hmm. Alessandra Dowd of McCadden Place, corrective lenses, 27 years old. Ah, okay. okay. Good right. question. Great question. Yay. All right. Who wants to go next? Pete, you want to go? Um, yeah, I could jump in here. So, like I said earlier, no counting involved. Normally, when I do a trivia question, it's normally within the first five minutes of the episode. So I specifically made sure that I did it at the last 10 minutes of the episode <laughs> in this one. Okay. But if you've been following my trivia for a few years now, you should know that one of the favorite trivias I like, the questions I like to ask is about license plates. So Antonio picks up Maddie in the car with the food and drives away. And if you pause it for one split oh. second and stare thoroughly, you could probably make it out, which I did. What is Antonio's license plate number or letter? I, I don't know, but it's a California license plate. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to guess. I mean, I'm just going to guess anyway. I'm going to say PXL297. Did I get any digit right anywhere? Um, You got a P right? A P? <laughs> okay, I had a P. But it's so hard to guess when it comes to license plates. Uh, Mike, you want to give it a shot or are you good? I think I'm okay. I'll... I'll, I'll uh... <laughs> <laughs> sit back and enjoy this one <laughs> okay so for the most useless piece of information any of us will ever hear this year about bosch antonio's license plate number is six pci 434 okay so I they see. must have that's seven what, that's what's different because every state has different ways yeah. of doing plates, so it's so yeah. hard, as i said it's so hard to guess when it comes to license plates especially when it's mm-hmm. not yours it's yeah it's, right right Hey, I got one digit right or one. This is like PLX. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least I didn't say ABC123. Tried to make that, it. That would have been Jay's answer. <laughs> yes. Alrighty. So okay, that Mike. Already, when June's hanging up the mobile, 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 mobile. In, yeah, in, I don't know. Mobile. mobile yeah. Mobile, Ab- Alabama, whatever it's called. Um, <laughs> When June is hanging that up above the uh, baby's crib, it's playing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. What was the other choice they could have gotten? Brahms. Nice. Oh, you already said I was right. So, Brahms. I'm going to go wrong. Yeah, I pulled the pit there and gave the answer away a little too early. (laughs) A little too early. Good job, Pete. Yeah, I think it's mobile now that I think about it. Mobile. Yeah, I think it is. I thought mobile was a gas station or like a phone. (laughs) <laughs> it is it's many and things a baby's, uh, and a baby's uh, uh thing to see when they go to sleep to it you know, yeah. this is the this is the data and data conversation all over again and i don't want to have <laughs> yeah, it no, <laughs> no 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 okay we're going with mobile tell us if we're wrong tell us on the tip line tell us <laughs> of course even if they if they tell us on the tip line, it'll still say mobile or mobile. You don't know. Yeah, we can still guess and spell <laughs> all the You region. have to spell it phonetically, like write the pronunciation <laughs> out. Yeah, that's funny, Mike. That's true. Okay. Whew. All right. Well, we do have an interview coming up here with Madison Lentz. And I just, I have to tell you guys, I had, I got to chuckle because she will tell you in the interview that she had just gotten off of a night shoot for the spinoff. And she's like, oh my gosh, you know. I, I look terrible. And, and I had to tell her, you know, basically, 
Madison. Madison, on, I couldn't look as good as Madison on her worst day. But yeah, yeah I just... agree. On my best day, I couldn't look like her on her worst day. So. <laughs> listen, listen, she's young and has the world ahead of her, okay? Big things are coming. You know, we're in the yes. middle of the storm here, you know, the eye of the storm, you know? <laughs> but it was it was funny. But it was really cool to know that she had just gotten off uh, working on the spinoff. It just makes it feel even more real, you know? So yep. that's exciting. I mean, I know it's real, but it's just exciting to hear. So hang on and enjoy the interview with Madison Lentz, and we will be back with episode five. That's it for now. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody. See you later. Hello. Hi. Thanks for coming on. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So please forgive my appearance. I look a little disheveled at the moment. Um, I did get home from a night shoot about two hours ago. Wow. So that is why I look the way that I do. And I apologize. <laughs> no worries at all. You can't really look bad, Madison. You know that. Thank you. That's so nice. I don't know about that, but thank you. By the way, your hair looks so beautiful on that KPCC event. They look kind of oh, like 40s you. kind of oh, Hollywood stars. I know every time I do an interview or I have hair and makeup to do like my glam, I'm always like, curl it, curl my hair. Yeah. I, can't, I cannot curl my hair. I'm so bad at it. So. Oh, gosh. Well, it was great. We'll right? just start out. I wanted to ask about the party at Honey Chandler's house. Mm-hmm. So um, your character kind of played it down with Miller that, you know, you didn't miss anything. But what what do you think Maddie really thought about the fancy upscale soiree? Is that her thing or not so much? You know, I think she's, she's such a a perfectionist and and she's so driven and determined that she probably was almost in work mode in her head at this party but I think she had fun her 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 guy was there so um I think it was a fun time and I think the whole conversation with Miller she was kind of just being playing like downplaying it if that makes sense she doesn't want him to feel left out yeah exactly (laughs) which is very very kind of Maddie yeah now talking a little bit about when your character decides to go into Honey's house, that's a, a right. much more serious moment. So, you know, Harry's warned Maddie to just stay tight, don't go in. But what, how would you describe in Maddie's mind, what triggers her the moment that she decides, no, I'm not going to obey that advice, I'm going to go? Well, the primary reason that she went into her into Honey's house is because she's her father's daughter. Yeah. So she, <laughs> she listens to authority until she doesn't. Right, right until she wants to do what she wants to do um mm-hmm. but i mean the the real reason for it i feel like is is she had such little control she had no control over what happened with okay. her mother mm-hmm. and so it was sort of it, i think it was almost subconscious to her yeah of like well if i can't control what happened to me when my mom died i'll control this okay that makes a lot of sense yeah. but I think honestly, main reason being she's her father's daughter. So she just pretty much yeah. does what she wants. That that pretty much sells it. I, I can totally agree with that. Now, what about Harry's reaction at Musso and Frank's? It's not, it isn't quite as excited maybe as Maddie wanted to hear from her dad, but she didn't get upset with him or anything. So what was she feeling at that moment? Um, I think a little bit of disappointment for sure. Mm-hmm. But by the end of the scene, I feel like she kind of realized, like, yeah, I kind of definitely sprung one on him. Yeah. So, 
I think that whole situation of, of figuring out who she wants to be and, and figuring out what she wants to do was, was her journey that she went on by herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and her father wasn't included in it, which is a little bit unusual because they, they share yeah. everything. But I think part of her growing up is, is having her own things okay. that she needs to do for herself. And so I think she gets that she sprung one on him, but also it was like, well, okay, he'll get used to it. I needed to do this for me. Yeah. Would you? Yeah, absolutely. Would you say that the idea kind of sprung on Maddie to apply or had she been thinking about it and we just didn't know it? A really good question. I think, I think she had all of this, like, for lack of a better way to put it, unresolved trauma. She's been through so much in her life and, and she was a a child effectively when all of that happened. Mm -hmm. And so she dealt with it in the best way that she could, but I mean, how good can you deal with it when you're 16? Absolutely. Yeah. And so everything that happened with honey sort of awakened that. And it was a very painful experience for her to relive all of that. Mm-hmm. And I think that the reliving of that was necessary to deal with. She's an adult now. She had to relive mm-hmm. it and, and, and sort of redeal with it in an adult way in okay. order for her to truly move on. And I think that part of that was making that decision. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Now, uh, this is a much lighter question, but the guys on the podcast who aren't here right now, they have this running theme. And I think they try to antagonize me as part of it, but that no one is good enough for Maddie, you know, Tom, Antonio, (laughs) whoever comes into the picture, they get into this dad mode or something. Mm -hmm. So usually I have to just listen to them go on and on. So they're not here. This is your platform to tell them why they don't need to worry about that. Well, I get that they're protective over Maddie. I understand. <laughs> However, you don't think Maddie has the foresight to choose the right guy? Exactly. Exactly. She, have, she definitely knows what she's doing more than I do. If you feel yeah. protective over me and the, my guy choices, understood. <laughs> but Maddie is... Maddie Bosch is, is yes. very reasonable and has fabulous taste. So Yes, yes. Well, I totally agree. And so I'm going to enjoy sharing your answer with them. Definitely. <laughs> so I, I don't know how much you can talk about the spinoff. I know when I spoke with Henrik, he was very excited about it, you know, shared that a lot of focus was going to be on your character and what you, you know, are going to be doing now. Can you say much about it or how you're feeling about it? Well, we're a few days into filming episode one. Um, and it has been very cool and there's been a lot of fun things that have happened okay and I am really enjoying this experience and I'm so happy to be a part of this new show and I think that they're really bringing it this year and I cannot wait to watch the season myself so I think people will like it well I'd imagine there's uh, is there a lot of deja vu because you're filming in LA we're filming with pretty much the same crew. crew? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it feels it feels almost like season eight. Okay. Yeah. If that yeah. makes sense, but it's not. It's it's right. season one. So right. So I guess yeah, a lot of deja vu or almost like nothing changed. The show never ended, but it yeah. did. And yeah, I don't know. The whole experience has been weird, but amazing and figured. exciting. Yeah. I'm yeah. loving it. I love your enthusiasm. That makes us, I mean, we're totally excited, but makes us even more excited. So, well, we've been asking the cast and and the EPs this question, and it's just a silly question, 
but so far everyone's had a completely different answer. So that, that's been kind of fun. So we wanted to know if there were no, no issue of budget, no matter of money, how would you, Madison Lentz, solve the, the horrible coffee problem at Hollywood Station? How would you turn that around and make it better? Um, and, and money wasn't an issue? Not an issue. It's fantasy world. <laughs> okay. Gosh, what would I do to fix that situation? I mean, hire assistants to just run out and buy everybody coffee. Okay. Actual decent places. Yeah. Personal order yeah. taking. Okay. Yeah. So they could just go wherever you wanted. Yeah. And and nice. buy you. But I guess that's like my bougie answer. <laughs> like my okay. bougie LA girl answer. And I have to have like expensive coffee. But I think if money was sort of an issue and people just, instead of asking someone to go get it for them, mm-hmm. they just wanted to be in there. I think that would do a coffee maker that's just on pre-made. Like it just keeps making coffee, not like a Keurig, but like an actual coffee maker. Uh-huh. Okay. okay. You know, I, I have a coffee maker at home and it, it has some, it makes some pretty damn good coffee. Yeah. So yeah. Just no matter what you put in need, there. Yeah. Yeah. I think they just need to revert back to like the old fashioned way of just like scooping in the, uh-huh. the ground yeah. and the filter and hot water. Not a bad idea. can't go wrong there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like it. Very good. Well, is there anything else you wanted to tell us about life for you right now and work? Is it just all on the spinoff? Yeah, it has been spinoff mode for the past couple of months. And, I, and I'm and i really, really excited. So, um, Are you getting any sleep? I did it last night, but, <laughs> but I will in like an hour or so. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. Well, you need that. You need that to keep going. So, yes. well, thank you so much for, for taking you. some time. I really appreciate it. It's always fun seeing yeah. you and talking to you and good luck with everything. We can't thank wait. You. All right. Bye. Thank you. Bye.